Hi, this is James Bone Christian Smith, former heavyweight champion of the world, and you listen to the Mike Sappho Podcast. This is the main event of the evening. Twelve rounds of boxing for the unification of the WBC and the WBA heavyweight championships. Introducing, in the red corner, fighting out of Magnolia, North Carolina, weighing in at 233 pounds, with a professional record of 19 wins, five defeats, with 14 KOs. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the WBA heavyweight champion of the world, James Bonecrusher Smith. What's going on, champ? Hello, how you doing? James Bone Crusher Smith, how crazy is it that 33 years ago you won the heavyweight title of the world and you're still referred to as a champ? How awesome is that? Oh, that's pretty special, man. You, you do one thing great and you give it something all you have and, and you be remembered as a legend for the rest of your life. I was always fascinated with your career because it was completely untraditional. Before you became a boxer, you were a basketball star. You go to the Army. You're a correction officer. I know everyone always wants to talk about boxing, but can we touch about before boxing? Because I find that so intriguing. Yeah, I was just an ordinary guy. Now, listen, were you a big-time basketball player? I was all-conference. Really? And did you have any good college offers? Yeah, I played uh, basketball in college, Shaw University nice. in Raleigh. Are you a basketball fan now? Yeah. Now, listen. Champ, don't tell me you're a North Carolina fan. I know you're down there. I'm a Kentucky fan. We're in the same bracket. Who do you like? Duke, Carolina. Oh, come on. I might have to end this podcast now. Duke and Carolina? That's horrible. That's the back of the road. That's my homies. <laughs> hey, so you leave college and you went right to the Army? Yeah. And when you were in the Army, were you boxing in the Army or was that afterwards? Because I never got the full... Like, I, know, I did a little bit of research on you. Was it beforehand or after that you uh, started boxing? I started boxing in the Army. And boxing in the armed services, in the armed forces, do you fight only Army guys? Are you fighting Navy guys? Are you fighting other countries? How does that work? Well, I, I just boxed Army guys. And did you know you had this stuff? You knew you were good? Well, I, you know, I, I hit guys in the right spot and they fall down. <laughs> hey, now, after you, uh, after the Army, you become a correction officer down in North Carolina? Yeah, I uh, I spent some time with Joe Frazier in Philadelphia. And uh, I met Larry Holmes and a bunch of the guys, Tex Cobb, uh, Marvis Frazier, a lot, a lot of the guys, Michael Spinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all the guys came through uh, Joe Frazier's gym. And so, but now you're a correction officer. So, what made you do that transition? Well, you know, I I uh, moved back to North Carolina, and uh, I got a job with the correction system. My brother had worked was working with the correction system, so uh, he told me about it. And uh, I, I, you know, I was looking for a job, you know, and I got married in 1980, and uh, and it kind of started from there. Now, I read somewhere that you wanted to fight in the Olympics. Was that true or false? No, I, I really didn't have a chance to fight in the Olympics. Uh, you know, my 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 story was a little different. Uh, you know, and uh, uh, I, I just I just thought that the way I did it was the only way I could have done it. 
Now, now, James, now you're a correction officer. Now, where's I'm still missing that one gap. You're a great boxer in the Army. You're a basketball star. Now you're a CO. Where's that move to boxing? And when did you know you can be that good? Like you just retire and become a boxer? Uh, yeah. I mean, I just went in the gym and started boxing. I made a decision to start boxing. And, I, you know, I write a book later, Mad, Make a Decision. <laughs> now, obviously, you got a late start to the sweet science. Was that an advantage or a disadvantage looking back now? I thought it was an advantage because, you know, sometimes guys, uh, you know, get out of shape. And I stayed in shape pretty much all the time. Now, I read on uh, Wikipedia, so I'm pretty sure it's the truth, that your first fight on ESPN in Atlantic City, you got knocked out. That's not how a career is supposed to start. Well, it could start that way. It depends <laughs> on you. Yeah, but, you know, I, I dug down and, and evaluated my situation, and, and I dug in. Now, James, you win 13 in a row. Then you head to Wembley Arena in front of thousands and thousands of wild British fans you take on the undefeated Frank Bruno, and you shock the boxing world. Take me to that fight and take me to the atmosphere that was there. Well, I stopped him in the 10th round. He was winning the fight, mm -hmm. and uh, all he had to do was move around, and uh, he came to me, and, and that was good. You know, I was tired, and I, I hit him with that left hook. He fell back in the rope, so I just kept following up with it. And uh, before I knew it, he fell down, and I fell on top of him so he couldn't get up. <laughs> Now, how was the atmosphere there? Was it just electric with all those fans? Yeah, 10,000 people. You got national television, and, and I was supposed to be a tune-up for him, and uh, so I tuned him up. <laughs> That's an awesome line. Now, after you win that, did you know then, okay, I belong in this business, this is for me? Yeah, because they had promised, uh, the promoters had promised him a, a fight with a uh, title fight with Larry Holmes, and and uh, Don King called me and, and offered me to fight. Now, now, after that incredible win, you're like a household boxing name now. You head to Nevada and you fight who you just mentioned, Larry Holmes. Were you ready for that fight or was fighting for the belt an opportunity that you just couldn't pass up? Well, uh, yeah, I was ready. And uh, Larry, I was a little bit at all with Larry. He, he, he had been uh, champion three years when uh, I took the fight. And... Uh, you know, he had beaten everybody, you know, and uh, uh, so, but I started digging into him and uh, got, I heard him in the fight several times and, uh, but inexperienced, uh, you know, just couldn't take him out. Now, after that loss, you know, your career was up and down, a few wins, a few losses, and then the craziest thing, on one week's notice, James Bone Crusher Smith takes a fight up with terrible Tim Witherspoon at the world's most famous arena, the mecca of boxing. How is that possible that you take up a fight, a heavyweight championship fight, one week notice against terrible Tim Witherspoon, who was great at the time? Well, uh, Don, King, Don King had promised me a title fight uh, with uh, um, um, Larry Holmes, a rematch with Larry, and, uh, and Larry was getting ready to fight Michael Spinks. And... Uh, so I signed a contract to fight Larry, you know, before the fight, that fight. And uh, Michael Spinks beat Larry Holmes. And now Don don't have a champion. And uh, so I called him up and asked him about the title fight with uh, Larry Holmes. He said, well, you know, I don't have Larry Holmes anymore. 
I said, well, you know, I was old when I started boxing, and I can't wait around until you get another champion for me to fight. So, so I, he said, I'm gonna, I said, I'm going to uh, reach out to someone that, that can get me some fights. And uh, he said, well, I'll sue you. I said, well, I'll sue you too. <laughs> so we started suing each other, and I fight uh, Jesse Ferguson Bermuda, fight David Bay in, in my hometown, Fayetteville, North Carolina. And I'm getting ready to fight a guy from New York, Mitch Blood Green, the, from New York in Fayetteville, North Carolina. to get a call from Don, and, and uh, he offered me a title fight. I said, Don, when is the fight? Who is it with? And where is it going to be? He said, well, I got some bad news about it. I said, what's that? He said, the fight is going to be a rematch with you and Witherspoon. Witherspoon beat me the year before. And uh, so I took the fight. And uh, like you said, the rest is history. How was the crowd in the garden? I was in Madison Square Garden a few nights ago to watch Mick Conlon. It was in the Hulu Arena, a little smaller. Just tell me back then, how was a championship fight at the Mecca? Was it just the most incredible feeling, incredible fans, just an atmosphere of, like, euphoria? Yeah, HBO. Uh, I didn't have time. Everything happened so fast. I mean, I didn't have time to think about it. He didn't have time to think about it either. With a spoon. And did you take into what happened with the loss and you're like, I can beat this dude? Did, were you confident going in there? I was mad. I, and I was just focused on what I had to do. And my, my thoughts were to take him out and take him out early, you know, because that was, uh, at that time, that was a 15-round fight. And, and, and uh, the next fight was with Mike Tyson. It was scheduled for 12 rounds. And I took Tyson 12 rounds. First guy to take Tyson 12 rounds. I want to go back one thing, because you win the heavyweight title the most prestigious belt title in the world. Is there any way you can even describe that feeling? I mean, you know, the heavyweight championship, uh, you know, you're the best guy in, in the world. I mean, you know, for no matter for how long, you, 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 you're at the pinnacle of, of boxing. More importantly. And, to do it against, yeah. and then to do it against a guy that they beat you the year before and to take him out in the first round, that's that's pretty pretty awesome at, at Madison Square Garden at HBO. Uh, I don't know if it gets any better than that. No, it doesn't. But I want to know something might be better. You win the title. How's that party in New York City as the champion? I want to know how the party was after you walk out of the garden. <laughs> I just spent some time with my family, you know, and, and that's important. That's part of my mentoring program now, Champion for Kids, is that people spend time with their family, you know, because life is short. Hey, yeah, let's talk. Before we talk about the rest of your career, because when I met, when I wrote to you, you texted me right back. Tell me about Champions for Kids, because it's a, a charity and a thing you do. Tell me all about that. Well, I started in 2004, and uh, I founded it. It's, uh, it's a national mentoring program, and uh, we raise money to uh, encourage kids to make good decisions and provide scholarships for the kids. And, and uh, now... Uh, but even better than that, uh, I, four years ago I started the Boxing Legends Hall of Fame, and I was part of that first class. And last year, Michael Spinks and Ernie Shavers was part of the induction process in Myrtle Beach. And uh, this year, uh, 2019, we want to recognize Jacqueline Frazier, Joe Frazier's daughter, Christy Martin from West Virginia, Pinklin Thomas, and Mike Weaver. Oh, that's incredible. And now what is it? Just a, Is it like a... Like a hole, you can go down there, you can check things out. Is it more of just an award or recognition? Yeah, right now we, we're trying to find uh, the right situation uh, to actually have a building. At some point we're going to do a building, but I think we're going to do a, 
an RV first and uh, and let that be a mobile museum. And we just travel from city to city, state to state, and let the fans see the people. Oh, how awesome would that be? <laughs> Pretty neat idea, right? Hey, uh, James, can anyone donate for the Champion for Kids thing? How can they people uh, look into it and hopefully help out? Well, yeah, they can They can email me uh, or, or call me on my cell phone. And my cell is 910-658-3408 or email me at bonecrusher8 at com. And what I thought about, you know, is there's people spending $100 to to buy a brick. And if we, when we decide to actual act, have act, an actual building in Myrtle Beach, uh, you can have your name in the Hall of Fame. Now, you two, don't have to fight anybody. Well, <laughs> hey, see, that, that's perfect for a guy like me. But now here's two things. One, I'm going to donate after this podcast. And number two, I thought I was cool because I had the former heavyweight champion of the world's phone number, and now you just gave it out over the air. So I don't feel too special anymore. <laughs> Well, it depends on how much you go donate. <laughs> <laughs> hey, James, you, you know sound like a great idea. Now, in <laughs> November, November eighth and ninth, we're gonna have a Hall of Fame induction. Like I said, uh, we're gonna induct uh, uh, Pinkland Thomas, former champion, uh, former champion Mike Weaver, uh, Jacqueline Frazier's champion, and Christy Martin champion. So we want to invite everybody to come down, and you and everybody else to come down and. Myrtle Beach is a vacation destination. Let's have a let's have a party and and, have, and recognize the. Uh, we're gonna play golf and we we'll have, have we will have a uh, on Friday, uh, the eighth of November. We'll have a boxing legends, uh, a state representative uh, conference convention. So what I've done, I, I've encouraged and invited people from different states to be a representative for the Boxing Legends Hall of Fame. And uh, each year, to kick off the Hall of Fame weekend, we're going to have a convention for the Boxing from the State Champions Hall of Fame con- convention in Myrtle Beach. That's unbelievable. You know what my grandfather told me about you, which I didn't know? Were you the first college graduate to win the heavyweight championship of the world? Yes, sir. Yeah, my grandfather, I told him I was going to have you on tonight. And he says, you want to know why he's great? He's the first one to be a college graduate. I said, I didn't know that. Now, did that get That's a lot? Of, right. Did that get a lot of press at the time, or not really? Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> you, uh, you know, the the uh, sports writers, you know, they 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 didn't uh, do a whole lot on that. Mm-hmm. But that's a big deal. Anytime you're the first in anything, it's a pretty big deal. Hell yeah, it is. But I'm telling you, you win the championship, and you were a Family Guy at the time, so you weren't out. See, I'll tell you this, James. I'm gonna tell you the truth. If I win the boxing heavyweight championship of the world at the Garden in my hometown, I walk out with the belt on. With the boxing trunks on and just walk bar to bar. That's what I would do. So you you disappointed me a little bit. <laughs> I went home. I went home and went to sleep with my family. <laughs> Unbelievable. Now, hey, we know about all the best things about being the heavyweight champion. You're the champ. You're the baddest man in the world. You're this. You're that. What's one negative thing about being the heavyweight champion of the world? Well, people come after you. You know, they want to. A piece of you, the women, everything, come, the devil come after you, you know, and you have to be real careful and uh, uh, think about how you were raised and uh, hopefully you had two good parents like I did and Christian parents and they said uh, we went to Sunday school and church and and just, just a nice person, you know, and if you're not, there's a lot of temptations out there that can get you sucked into some bad things. This might sound a little silly, but I want to go back to your charity. You're helping all these underprivileged kids. Um, 
it's a lot different. Like you came from a great household, you seem college graduate. What made you want to give back? Did you see like maybe poverty or stuff that you wanted to always help? Well, we grew up poor, and uh, you know, but but one of the things my parents encouraged each each one of us kids. It was six uh, uh, of us, and uh, each one of us got a college degree, and uh, that's pretty special too within the South. Six out of six got a college degree, and and uh, in addition to that, you know, um, I st- I started a situation about thirty days ago, about, about a month ago, uh, where uh, I've talked to this uh, owner of this uh, coffee company, Valentis, and I've asked uh, this the CEO to help uh, and give the boxing legends, the world champions, a, a business center. And with that, Vince, uh, just donate it to him. Just give it to him, and he he agreed. And so, so they can have a home based business, uh, with me. And 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 so I thought it was a great idea. Not only, not only can these champions, uh, be part of this coffee business, but the, our fans. We got tens of millions of fans. They they if they drink coffee, they like uh lose some weight and make some money. They need to log on to winwiththechamp.com. And this is, this is one thing that you can do. Instead of giving me a donation, you can buy your little business center with me and, and let's have uh, other champions and other fans and people to uh, be part of this thing. You can make some money. You can make your money back. I just want you to stop giving out your phone number because I felt really cool that you were saved my phone number. That's all I care about. <laughs> hey. Yeah, well, see, you, you might drink coffee. Well, see. Uh, I think you're you're police, right? Yes, uh, NYPD. Well, a lot of police that I know they drink coffee and eat donuts, yeah. and they gain a few pounds. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you can drink some coffee, lose the weight, make some extra dollars. I How I I love. Listen, all I care about is making money, uh, champ. So that's all I'm worried about. Hey, can I ask you about okay. the? I, I know every interview is about. You know, you always get asked about Tyson and stuff. I know you talked about it forever. When you take on Tyson. And lose in a unanimous decision. You go the distance with him out in Vegas. Looking back now, do you have any regrets about that fight? Things you would have done differently? Well, you know, I should have taken the fight to him more. And uh, but the media, you know, they had Mike build up as a, I don't know what. Uh, and uh, the, you know, they had him build up real high. And then when he got in trouble, they turned against him. Seemed like. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you weren't intimidated going into that fight. Or I should never say intimidated to a champion. Would you maybe – Would you, did you believe the media hype? Was that a better thing to say? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, because the media is very powerful. Mm-hmm. So they're telling you over and over again, Tyson's the greatest, Tyson's this. So you're believing it a little bit, right? Yeah. I mean, you're, you it's just like being hypnotized. I mean, you hear the same thing over and over again. All of a sudden, you start it started to seep in your spirit. Looking back now, 20, 30 years after that fight, would you have fought the fight differently? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think if had I taken the fight to him more, uh, I probably could have stopped him. And, and yeah, I uh, instead of trying to hit the head, just go to the body more. And uh, Emo Griffith told me to do that, but I, I fought a defensive fight, and I kind of regret that now. But, you know, had I beat Mike Tyson, you know, um, who knows what would have happened because the devil really would have come after me at that point. Oh, I know it would have. I, you know, I just actually finished a book about Tyson and Douglas and the devil got to James Buster Douglas. You, you always look at everything as a blessing in the skies maybe, right? That's right. Hey, uh, we talk about the atmosphere in London. 
And then we talked about the Mecca, the Big Apple. How was it in Vegas fighting Mike Tyson? Oh, it was crazy out there too, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Was it like a circus out there? Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, I didn't well, know. Vegas, yeah. is, Vegas is a circle, it's circus anyway, even if you're not a fighter <laughs> and even if you're not fighting Mike Tyson. But when you, when you put all that together, it's real crazy. Hey, I didn't know this, but I found out when I looked it up. You had a damn fine career after that, man. You fought until 99. You were 44 and 17. You had a really, really prestigious career after that. Do you ever look back and say, wow, I accomplished a lot, like I did it? Yeah, but it's not over. You know, I still, I'm still helping people, uh, doing a lot of community uh, service work, traveling uh, the country, and uh, I'm still working. Are you also an ordained minister? I think it said that on your site or when I Googled you. Is that true? Yes. Yeah. So James Bonecrusher Smith, he knows how to stay uh, stay busy. Is that true? Absolutely. A um, couple more questions. Are you still a fan of the Sweet Science? You still watch it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, you know, I wish I was about 20 years younger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would love to be in this heavyweight division, wouldn't you? A lot of money out there now, man. Oh, is it? Can you imagine, James? Can you imagine you win? You know, you, you beat with a spoon. Now, how much money you would make for one title fight? Can you believe? Would you? Can you even imagine it? Yeah, it's crazy, man. They, it, Dante Wilder, uh, they uh, they they bounce around thirty million dollars for a couple fights. I mean, that's crazy. Oh, do you still love watching it? Who do you give me your top three guys you love to watch right now? Uh, well, Mayweather, I don't know if he ever fight again. I still love to watch him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Wilder, I've seen him fight. And, uh, uh, you know, other than that, I, I just don't follow that much now. You know what? I find that fascinating. I have so many athletes on, and I always like, oh, so who do you follow now? And they're like, you know, Mike, this was my job. Yeah. And Can I take this call and I come right back with you? Yeah, of course. I'll, I'll wait around. Okay, I'm back. Thanks, champ. Yeah, just a couple more minutes. Um, I always find that fascinating that so many older athletes, uh, boxers, wrestlers, uh, baseball players, they don't watch the sport as a fan, I guess because it was your work. Is that is that right? Yeah. I said, well, how, how can they do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, did it. I, did it. I did it for 18 years. Uh, any memorabilia? Have you kept any memorabilia throughout the days that you look back on now and say, oh, crap, this is really cool? Yeah, I guess I have some robes and uh, some gloves and the, the belt. I mean, once you win the belt, you get to keep it. Oh, do you really? Yeah. Oh, uh, see, I think the robes are the coolest thing. Do you have them on display, or they're just put away? They put away. All right. When I get down to Myrtle Beach, you'll let me wear one. Hey, I always ask this question, Bone Crusher, to everyone who's on my phone. You and I are out. We're hanging out. Who's the coolest person in your phone? That if you texted or called them, they would pick right up. Uh, I guess uh, I don't know Frank Stallone, uh, Sylvester Stallone, brother. Oh, that's a really good answer. How do you know him? Yeah. Well, I was just I was just out. Uh, Ernie Shavers introduced him to, to me. And then you grabbed his number because you knew I was going to ask you that question. <laughs> I didn't know you'd be going to ask the question, but I'm I'm trying to do a movie, and I want his brother Sylvester to do the movie on how I put the, these champions together. Wait, what? What do you mean? Let, let's finish up with that. What do you mean you're going to try to do a movie? 
Well, I, you know, I want to do a movie, a documentary or something mm-hmm. about me getting the champions together, uh, you know, with this coffee business uh, and the fans uh, together and uh, and how we uh, come to Myrtle Beach every year. I, you know, I'm already here and get them here and bring the fans here and have a big party, family reunion. Listen, you tell me a party, I'll throw on a fake belt and I'll come down there and party with you guys, James. Well, come on down. It's November the 8th and 9th in Myrtle Beach. Do you ever venture up to New York City? Yeah, yeah. My sister lives in, in Manhattan. Oh, listen, Bone Crush, you got to come up here. We got to do this live, man. We'll, we'll, t- we'll take a walk by the garden. We'll hang out and stuff. Do a book signing. Listen, I would love to do that. Is your book available everywhere? You know, I, I got to find, <laughs> I ran out of books. And uh, the company that I wrote the, the, the uh, book through, uh, it just happened. Uh, they're no longer with them. Am- it was with Amazon. It was a, it was a create space. Uh, it was a, uh, um, it was a, a smaller subsidiary of, of Amazon. So uh, I've been talking to Amazon on how to get that book back, but the name of it is Bad. Make a decision. Listen, let me know because I'm up here, and you know who I do a show at all time? Jerry Cooney. He's always on my show. So you come up here, all of us yeah. will hang out, and we'll have a good time. Okay. Listen, quick question. Best barbecue in the world, where is it? Uh, well, in Myrtle Beach. Uh, I, I'm, I'll be cooking a, a pig here for my birthday here uh, April the 20th, and I'll have a pig again uh, if you come down November November 8th and 9th. James, I'm making that trip down, and I'm making that trip down November. I promise you that. Okay, hey, fantastic. James, listen, this was a pleasure to speak to the former heavyweight champion of the world. You're a bad dude. All right, Bone Crusher, that was a pleasure. I'm going to keep in touch with you for real, man. Uh, I'll send you a link to this next couple of days when I edit it. But, man, this was a pleasure speaking to you, and I really can't wait to meet you in person, my friend. Absolutely, and we're looking for, we're looking for that donation now. You got it, brother. James Bone Crusher Smith. See you later, brother. Thank you. Thank you, brother.